Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian and Jason, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Let's get started. Hello, Brian. Hello, Jason. How are you? I My brain is fried. I've read over a thousand articles researching this week's episode. Yes, you've been a very busy boy. There's there's an awful lot of stuff in, in our little show notes here. Um, I've been a very busy as well, but not reading articles. <laughs> it's, been a, <laughs> it's been an insane week, and I literally have uh, my suitcase right next to me and uh, my, my computer bag ready to go. So as soon as we're done recording, I just throw it in the bag, and I'm off to the airport. So hello, Toronto. Woohoo! <laughs> All right, so let's get started here. Okay. So now this week uh, we're going to start off with something a little different here. And it, if if you're not into the uh, well, how, should, how shall we say the technology of self love, you may want to <laughs> you may want to skip ahead about five or ten minutes here. Right now I, I'm not one for insider baseball on on these podcasts, but I do want to make one quick note here, Jason. Um, of course. You know, as part of our, our our process of trying to figure out a way to kind of reach a larger audience and, and kind of keep this whole grumpy old geeks thing r- rolling, we redid all of our bumpers and, and took out the naughty words. Yes. Uh, so you're, the first <laughs> segment that you've put together with these new cleaner bumpers is all about how to get your iPhone to jack you off. But you know, we don't have to. <laughs> we don't have to use any naughty language here. This is you know, like I said, it's the technology of self love. Fair enough. I mean, this is a topic that is, you know, as you and I both remember in in the wild, wild west days of the internet, and basically all technology it has always been the adult industry that has kind of blazed the trails, so to speak. Yeah, and in the news this week, Fleshlight, the makers of the you know covert wanking apparatus. I don't think there's can- anything covert about that. That thing's huge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it depends on your man. Um, <laughs> So they came out with an iPad accessory, which mm-hmm. is indistinguishable from duct tape, which you <laughs> strap on the back of your iPad and give, give her a go. Right. Yes. And, you know, it's made the rounds. People are just like, oh, what? that's kind of it, – it's not very high tech. You know, granted, you, like I said, it's indistinguishable from duct tape. Well, you know, at the end of the day, when you're interfacing between tech and, and wetware, as it were, it's, it's not going to look that high tech. Um, it, it's, it's kind of scary looking, actually. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of is. Yeah. We will not have uh, pictures in the show notes. You can go, on, go out on your own to <laughs> find that. Yes. But so what I want to kind of discuss is in this mass market of um, the emerging market of wearables, yes. is there a mass market for, shall we say, to be kid-friendly, effables? Effables. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, we're not going to see sex kit from Apple anytime soon because, you know, they're puritanical. Exactly. Yes. With doing my research on this and, you know, being in that tickled in that business every now and again, um, I have a fairly deep understanding of where the market is. Except nowadays you can Kickstarter uh, something that you build at home that you can wank with. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We saw we saw the recent uh, introduction of the Auto Blow 2. Which was, yeah, I think it was Indiegogo'd. So it was totally crowdfunded. Blue passed their, uh, their mark. <laughs> Sorry, I, I do have to say that 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 uh, of all the products out there, this is a the best name I've ever seen. Yes, the auto, and they, there is an original Auto Blow, but that I, was it. That was at roboticblowjob.com. I think I might wait for Auto Blow three, get the kinks out, as it were. Ooh. Oh, see what I did there. 
No, I, unfortunately, I did. Okay. Uh, Vice Vice did a really good job of covering this guy who created it and all of the technology behind it. And sadly, if you do go to the autoblow2.com website, you will see some very explicit uh, videos where they have a clear version <laughs> so you can see how it works on a real dude in real time, which is not for the faint of heart. And you, I'm forewarned, you cannot unsee it. Oh. So. I just scrolled down. That was a mistake. Yeah, don't, you don't have to do All that. Right. But this is, I, I, I really enjoyed the Vice article with this guy. He was, he was a very funny. Um, he does not take it seriously at all. Um, but he is aware of uh, an emerging market, as it were. Uh, and he is uh, – there is – I believe there is a market for this. Although, I mean he got funded. There, there's definitely a market for this. Um, and he's really good at salesmanship because if you do go to the site right now, this is uh, – we're recording this the day before uh, Independence Day, the 4th of July. There's a little banner across the top saying, celebrate independence by doing it yourself. <laughs> and they're offering uh, I, a coupon. <laughs> I like the dude. I totally like the dude. He's got, he's got personality and he's funny and he knows exactly what he's doing. And that's most of the people that you meet in that industry, I got to yeah. say. They've all got personality and they're all like, screw it. I don't care. Yeah. You know? And this is not the first one. They, they've been around in different uh, configurations and levels of complexity. The, the most complex one that was out, oh, I guess maybe about six or seven years, I think, was the Real Touch. I remember that from ages and ages ago. Yeah. Yeah, sadly, they just went out of business in January. Apparently, they used some uh, – they licensed some patented technology and they couldn't get the license renewed. So they could sell the ones that they had left. But their video service is still online. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, the differentiator between the RealTouch and the AutoBlow or any of the other you know, self-jerking machines is that you watch a video and the motion in the machine matches the girl on the screen. I don't think that's really required. I, I mean, they totally overthought it. You know? <laughs> You show guys a picture of like, you know, uh, a football and they're like, ooh, I'm done. Okay. It <laughs> doesn't really matter. Yeah. You really don't have to go that far. And it was it was uh, pay-per-view. So, you know, it's like you had to buy it in an hour blocks and in probably two-minute increments. But <laughs> Yeah, that, that's always the thing. Who, nobody needs an hour. Well, that's why that's why phone sex lines were always so expensive because they looked at their numbers and it's like guys are getting on here. They talk to a girl and they, they're gone in 60 seconds. Isn't that a movie? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, and so, I don't know. I, so, just going back into it, I was like, oh, what else is out there? Because for guys, there's really not a whole lot. You know, the, um, for women, vibrators are, you know, de rigueur. Everybody's got one. Everybody jokes about it. And you expect every woman to, you, when you see a woman at uh, Jewel with a, Jewel's our local grocery store, with a, you know, 30 pack of D batteries, and you're like, ah, I know what she's doing tonight. But for guys, it hasn't really, like, the technology hasn't really, hit so <laughs> it's just this is interesting that you know we're now getting into now it's like the maker world so oh, everybody's boy. gonna be home and for women they've been doing this for a while uh so to keep with the kid friendly language there's the mm-hmm. effing machines for the ladies right and you can go uh there's a full website they make tons of stuff tons of stuff and i saw saw them demonstrated at uh, ars electronica the guys from Monochrome in Austria do it, uh, Johannes and those guys in there. It was it was really fun. I went to it. I watched a girl get banged by a robot, and uh, Jake Applebaum, who had basically a chainsaw with tongues on it, slapped it on her uh, little man in the rowboat, and she had a good old time. Right. So, well, first <laughs> off, Ars Electronica really should be an industrial band. That that is a fantastic name for a, like a German hardcore band. 
Well, these guys are from Austria, so yeah, yeah that makes sense. Close, okay. close enough. Yeah. Um, so I want some music too. Um, secondly, I, I briefly looked at the uh, F Machines link that you put in there because briefly is really all you need. Um, <laughs> if I met a woman that owned one of these things, I would be so intimidated for the rest of my life. <laughs> I would be like, "Hey, I can watch I can watch football on Sundays and not have to be bothered." Well, I guess there's that factor too. <laughs> there's always that. <laughs> so. And you can actually buy uh, repli- not replicas, but you know the same kind of device, which is basically a piston with a dildo on it, on Amazon. Right. You can go to Amazon.com and buy one of these for your lady for Valentine's Day if you're going to be out of town, say. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know. <laughs> and I think it's funny now. I, I posted a link in the show notes uh, <laughs> from Wired from the uh, Ars Electronica I went to, and they have a picture of Jake Applebaum up there with you know, like in leather and <laughs> with the chainsaw of tongues, whatever that was called. I forget the name of the damn thing, but um, he he got this girl off, and you know, was happy as a clam about it. And this was uh, when he was like the uh, well, he was like the network engineer at Kink dot com. Mm-hmm. Jake Applebaum has kind of moved on from that. I don't know if you're familiar with what he does now, but he is basically the spoke like the U.S. spokesperson for Wiki uh, uh, WikiLeaks. Yeah, a uh, bit of a change. Major privacy advocate. He's uh, you know wanted by everybody. Like they they track him and listen to his phone, and he can't get through an airport. If you're on his contact <laughs> list, you're screwed. It's it, he's turned into an interesting. Well, he was always an interesting dude, but. Uh, his dad was murdered once. Well, I guess that's all it takes. Yeah, once. that's usually and, one time does it. <laughs> and uh, he went on vacation in Iraq during the war. So like he's, you do. He's, right. he's a crazy adventurous dude. I, I I used to know him up in San Francisco, and I I dug him. He was he was a, he was a character. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And in kind of the last one that was around this week. That's why this was a whole theme this week. Um, I, I noticed. Yes. I effing love science. <laughs> they had uh, an article about an automatic sperm extractor in a Chinese hospital, mm-hmm. and. Just because, you know, this is – I'm telling you, this is a fad. It broke their website. They got so much traffic to this article. Well, that, <laughs> you know, click farms and of course that's going to get a lot of links these days. But uh, yeah, that was a little creepy. I mean I thought this stuff had been around for ages. Don't we use this with livestock? Well, yeah. OK. Just checking. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure we do. Hopefully not the same take, one. Well, not the same one that you – well, <laughs> hopefully not the same one they used to milk the cow to milk the cow. So – but the, the one that's in the Chinese hospital is actually a model that I you can in doing my research I've found on regular sites that you can buy for right. home use right, exact right. the exact same model, but they had it out in the lobby so I'm really hoping that they don't force you to <laughs> drop trow and stick it in in the lobby while you're oh. waiting around waiting around in the in the uh, waiting room. Oh, gosh, that'd be horrible. Do not oh, go to yeah. that hospital. That's the only hospital I'd want to go to less than the one in Gray's Anatomy because if you ever have a problem and you go to that hospital, you're going to die. Die before the next commercial break? Exactly, yeah. All those dreamy doctors can't do anything for you. So after I got hit with your deluge of of vaguely kind of sex item stuff, um, as I was surfing about this week, I did see that there are a couple stories that have popped up on kind of the more you know political gender issue stuff that kind of relates to a certain extent. Uh, apparently, there's this crazy online group starting started up on on uh, Reddit the past couple of weeks called Red Pill. And it's it's very angry men who resent women for withholding sex, um, and I, I mean, this has always been there. I, I just think that uh, there's a lot of angry guys out there that uh, aren't getting what they want and think that they're uh, basically deserve something from from other people. And I don't think that's the way the world works. And I find um, yeah, it's kind of a 
What's a, it's a feedback loop with these guys because once they say something and they get egged on by other guys, it just builds and builds and builds and gets kind of frightening. Um, there's a decent article in Salon that talks about it a little bit. Uh, it's worth a read. It's a little scary. Um, again, a lot of this I also see as kind of a generational divide to a certain extent. The guys now in their in their late twenties, thirties, forties who have this money that are in you know the tech industry that are you know making money and doing well for themselves uh it wasn't easy for us to get sex when we were growing up and it probably still isn't because they probably don't have the best social skills uh, we were taught we had to work for for the attention of the ladies and we had to impress them and so these guys went out and they worked hard and they achieved and now they're going well why am i not having the easy access that all these this hookup culture that's going on for the you know the teens and the 20 early 20s are so they're pissed well, off they, yeah and here's what they forgot to uh factor into the be successful and all that not be a fucking douchebag yeah don't be a douchebag about it and just because you're successful doesn't mean you you know you flipped a switch now and and you just get things you, yeah. you don't you got you got to be nice it really does come down to be nice. Be human. Uh, be, yeah. be human. Be human. Be human. Or buy one of these damn machines then. Exactly. Yeah. Scroll up. Yeah. We, we should find some affiliate links so we can make some money from these guys. Because uh, <laughs> if, if nothing else, I'd like to take their money if I can't beat them into sensibleness. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny. You look back, uh, Little Rascals, the He-Man Woman Haters Club. This is like the, <laughs> the umpteenth generation of it. But these guys are these guys are just kind of lost souls and angry and they, they really are they're really just like horrible horrible people yeah it's it's some frightening stuff and apparently uh one of the guys that founded tinder or the guys that founded tinder are pretty much right in that group um there's some really interesting articles coming out now about those guys and how they're basically women haters and and basically started tinder just to be able to bang the hell out of chicks and to hell with them um so there's another article this is this is via uh, uh new york magazine which is also in our show links at grumpyoldgeeks.com where a woman started to basically talk a little bit about Tinder and how can we stop pretending that it's actually good for women. I don't really understand how it ever was. Now, I'm not judging. There's absolutely nothing wrong with a woman who wants to just basically hook up with someone and have a night of fun and that's that. Great. That's awesome. Everybody, you know, if you're into that, do it by all means. There's no judging here. But Everybody that I've ever talked to ever, especially every single guy, has never called Tinder a dating app. It's always just been a hookup app. Yeah, it's a hookup. That's how people refer to it as. So this entire article is almost coming from this crazy premise that it's some sort of dating app. It's not. It's about looks. It's quick response, usually when you're drunk. There's no information about the people. You don't learn anything about them. This is totally just, let's hook up. I'm at the bar. It's closing, and everybody in here is uglier than this guy on my phone. End of story. You want serious dating, you go to eHarmony or Match or something like that. So. Well, you go to eHarmony if you're Christian and right-wing. But Isn't, and, isn't and that Christian, ChristianMingle.com? I don't know. Yeah, something. no, eHarmony was the first one to be on the uh, the douchey block. If, you, if you're right. an atheist or gay, forget it. You're just, just forget them. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm only on FarmersOnly.com. <laughs> these are, these are, this is the, this is the uh, group of DTF apps. Yeah, you know, so. yeah, that's that's all it is. So I I don't understand who was pretending that Tinder is is good for women. Or well, actually, there's almost a reverse feminism at play here because it does kind of assume that women only want to date. Some women do just want to hook up. I've I've seen women really enjoying Tinder at the bar and like, oh, this guy's really hot. I, 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 I send a message. Whatever it is, what it Whatever. is. Call yeah. it what it is. Don't pretend that it's anything more than what it is. So, in closing, I would just like to say that with the Maker Revolution, I would like to see a renaissance of teledildonics. Yeah. And and let's let's get these things network enabled. Forget the wired home, you know. Get yeah. your get your wired junk on. That's it. <laughs> okay. 
so in, in a little follow-up, uh, remember uh, good old uh, Ann Coulter last week? Oh, do I? Yes. Yeah, man. Everywhere I go, people are bitching about her. But, you know, and everybody kind of agrees she's just a professional troll. Yeah. But well, uh, one of the worst things that you can ever possibly do – I mean, I, granted, it probably worked for her. I, I think this one might have backfired a little bit. But when, mm-hmm. all, when all of the sudden the country was getting behind our team and then they played their hearts out in a big game and then you just say, hey, by the way, these guys suck. No, 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 no. Bad move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah. that the U.S.-Portugal game was the most watched soccer match ever on yeah. U.S. TV, higher than any of the NBA finals and higher than the average of the 2013 World Series. Yep. It's so, uh, got amazing ratings. People were well into it. Um, you know, I was out for the, the game against uh, Belgium, which was on Tuesday. And it was on Tuesday at 1 p.m. here in, uh, in Los Angeles and at the, you know, 4 p.m. on the East Coast. So people were supposed to still be at work. Uh, the entire Main Street Every single bar packed, packed. Oh yeah, and people were watching the game, and that's amazing. And I'm really happy about that. So people are getting into it. Um, the only problem with this is, of course, it's going to be four years uh, until there's an event of this magnitude again, and uh, people do tend to lose interest. But hopefully they don't, and they keep building. And uh, because I, I just I love the sport, and I'm really really happy to see America doing as well as they they did. So yeah, I work like I freelance for a probably a 220 person ad agency mm-hmm. out in out in LA. Yeah. And at uh, about 8 in the morning on uh, – was it Wednesday was yeah. the game? Tuesday. Tuesday. Sorry, Tuesday. I, we, I get an email, a company-wide email, and there's like uh, – they usually have after work on Thursdays. They have like a little drinking thing for everybody. They're like, nope, we're, we're moving this to uh, Wednesday. Everybody in the company, all meet in the <laughs> kitchen. We're watching the game. Right. So the whole company got a pass. They brought in booze and tequila. He specifically mentioned tequila. So <laughs> I'm like, eh, that's a good agency, I guess. So – it's it, it's definitely a thing. So and just go stuff it. <laughs> now this last one I got just for a little bit of follow up. We talked about the uh, robot journalism a yes. while back, mm-hmm. and there's an article in GigaOM this week why they should why uh, journalists should be celebrating the rise of robot journalism. <laughs> and it's like okay, well this offsets some of the grunt work that we have to do, so we can go focus on real journalism, the stuff that we went to college for, and you know long form stuff. Yeah, well, but there's no market for long form journalism anymore. Well, that, what their argument is is that there will be because you'll be your time will be freed up from doing the you know just the statistical grunt work articles and uh, all that crap. But uh, companies generally are like, well, no, I can just <laughs> save the money by not having people here and keep my long form journalism exactly as it was with this little two percent of the the pot. Yeah. You know, pile and go do that, thinking that, oh, no, that the the wealth will rise up and give everybody more jobs. I think their I think their logic is flawed there. Yeah, this is this is trickle down economics as the Republicans, which we know doesn't work. This is, uh, you know, I, like the X-Files. I want to believe this, but we know it's not going to. They're not going to be hiring on more more people to do long form journalism. They'll keep the few people that they have. Um, and it, let's be honest here. We all we all know click rates and we know uh, how long people stay on pages and they, we can track how far they people read into stories and there's just not enough demand for it if we want this to happen start fucking reading people yep <laughs> that's about <laughs> it uh but i just think i think it's it's misguided she's totally misguided yeah this is doesn't a, get it this is a bullshit article i don't like it i don't like yeah. you i don't i think you're wrong. it was making the it was making the rounds through through the the <laughs> ranks so i thought i'd bring it up yeah but no it's anyway yeah there you go so I, in closing, again, <laughs> now we were, so 
I read an article that statistically states that men in a committed relationship masturbate far more than single men. So I would just like to leave everybody with Brian has to be the bigger wanker on our show because he's, (laughs) he's married and I'm single. So just leaving you with that. Yeah, but that assumes that that uh, the single guys are going out there and chasing it, and I know you're just staying at home researching till it is lungs. Eh. Eh. <laughs> Our comment of the week comes from our website from Regia or Regia, something like that. Regia. Um, So he he has a little uh, snarky comment about our uh, (laughs) intro last week where he says, Work is dried up. The work is out there. Uh, Okie doke. (laughs) We were fairly uh, uh, confusing, I think, on our part. So, Brian, would you like to clarify your statements on, on the work is dried up and the work is out there? Sure, no problem. Uh, I, I actually don't consider it to be all that confusing because there's a difference between macro and micro. Uh, macro economics, we're still in a recession. Bigger jobs have dried up. Entire markets have been completely decimated. And in general, as a smaller company or contractor, you're going up against larger companies or other contractors completely willing to underbid you and drive down your markets either as so they uh, the larger companies are a loss leader to lock up a client or these smaller contractors out of complete and utter desperation. And then there's micro, and I was specifically talking in uh, our intro of last week's episode about um, a specific uh, case scenario, which is uh, people out there that are trying to get a start in a new industry, that are trying to build up experience. Um, In our case specifically, I was talking about voiceover uh, actors. Uh, as we were trying to get some to do our thing and people who are, I have many actor friends here who basically have no work and uh, I was offering them a little bit of work to help them pad their resume. There are tons of jobs like that everywhere. I mean, all the time there's, there's no lack of work for you to have for a friend that you will basically get paid next to nothing for, but you can build up experience. And if you're in a situation where you're trying to get a start in a new industry, that makes sense. And you should never say no to those types of situations because you need the experience. Okay. Makes sense. See the differentiation between the larger and the smaller situations? I completely understand. At least that's where I was going. So I apologize if I didn't make that clearer enough, but I was definitely ranting specifically about about that sort of thing. So uh, it's the same with with my industry, Jason, with web stuff. There's no lack of smaller gigs out there I could be picking up, but they're tiny. They're not well-paid. And they're for smaller friends, family, and people. And we, as you and I have talked about many times on this episode, those gigs are the absolute worst. They become complete and utter nightmares um, and end up costing you way more time and effort than you ever thought you would ever put in. And we get no money from them. And you and I have been doing this for so long that we shouldn't have to take those gigs. We've got a lot of experience. and you know, But there are very few gigs out there that are commensurate with, the, with our experience and the kind of pay grade that we're at. It's easy to find gigs, hard to have a career. Well, thank you for clearing that up. No problem. In the news. Now, do we call this latest Facebook scandal Facebook Ultra or MK Newsfeed? Um, I like Facebook Ultra, but it sounds like a crappy app they're about to put out that does nothing. So we'll go with MK Newsfeed. Sure, let's do that. Okay, so if you don't know what we're talking about in the <laughs> back in the '60s. In seventies, I think, or maybe it ended in the sixties. Uh, Project MK Ultra was like a CIA uh, mind control experiment where they dosed people with things like LSD mm-hmm. who did not know they were being dosed and saw how they reacted and took notes. Yeah, there's also a really crappy movie about it with George Clooney. I'll skip that one. Um, 
<laughs> so yeah, the big news this week was of uh, the Facebook experiment where they, you know, tweak the tweak the settings a little in their algorithm so to see if happy people were more happy if they saw happy stories, more sad if they saw sad stories. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. We know this happens, yes. right? The, well, big kerfuff- the big kerfuffle uh, now is that it's yeah. public. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people – one of the first things that came out was people just saying, well, this is normal for a company. They always do A-B testing, but they keep it private and they keep their results private to make a better product. And interestingly enough, as as this whole thing has played out over the week, a lot of the sponsored uh, ads in my newsfeed on Facebook have, have uh, name-checked uh, A-B testing. I'm wondering if they're sticking that in there now on purpose. <laughs> oh, very well could be. Yeah. And – the the points that have been coming out are very interesting because, and I haven't I, this one I haven't done as much fact checking on because I only saw it in one article that the army co-sponsored this study. Yeah, I, I, I haven't found anybody else talking about that, but it was in one specific piece. But they may have actually read the paper and saw that it was sponsored by them. But I can't confirm that one. the uh, The other thing that came out was. They got permission to do this research in their t- – well, they put the permission that we granted them in their terms of serv- for service four months after the study. So technically, Ooh. they were in, in breach yeah. of their own terms of service. That's not good. And uh, last night, I found one from uh, the Wall Street Journal that interviews a couple of the ex-Facebook researchers. And they're like, yeah, well, they, we kind of did what we wanted. We didn't really have any oversight at all, and we just <laughs> would play around with stuff. Which, you know, for a researcher, that's one of the biggest sandboxes ever. I mean, it is the biggest sandbox yeah, there's nothing of social interaction ever yeah. made. Mm-hmm. So I can, see the, I can see the allure, you know. Yeah. But I, I think what it really does come down to, and, and this, this kind of comes from Dana Boyd's piece on Medium that mm-hmm. she just posted, which was an excellent piece. It really kind of rounds up the whole topic. But it's yeah. more about now that it's in our face and we see what they're doing and they're publishing about it. It's like our discomfort with big data in general and what these companies are doing to manipulate us. Even though we know they're manipulating us, now it's like, okay, here's the proof and here's what they're doing. Yeah. And that's like really where the outrage comes from. Yeah, and and understandably so. I mean I've got more than a few thoughts about this whole thing, but but just based on that point – Facebook is playing a bit of a dangerous game for themselves right now because 99% of, of Facebook's future is kind of based on, on users' trust. And, and they've definitely been dicking around with that an awful lot over the, over the last couple of years. And this well, over their the, entire lifetime. Yeah, over their entire lifetime. But this one is is the most flagrant, and this one is going to be. I think we're going to look back as a tipping point, and Facebook is either going to reel themselves in and realize that they're nothing without the users. And right now they can get away with it because they're the only game in town, and they've got critical mass. But they keep up with this. Uh, we've we've talked a long time about how there's there's a market for another version of Facebook that plays that plays nice with their users. Um, and I don't doubt right now that there are a bunch of people thinking the same thing and starting to build up something. Oh, I hope so. But it's in looking at this and reading all of the news about it, it really just kind of puts into perspective how big of a machine Facebook is, yeah. like how they handle all this data. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you can't just go and, and rent a, an EC2 instance off Amazon and hack together something that is going to even remotely compete, you no. know? No, they're You have to have huge infrastructure just to even, you know, handle a million users. And yeah. they're in the billions now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not a small task, but, you know, start small, have a better, you know, you know <laughs> proposition for the people and work your way up. But yeah. it's... It's one of those things that's like, yeah, they're the only game in town now, so they can just say, yeah, eh, whatever, you know, deal with it. 
Yeah, uh, no, or I agree. They can I, be more. They can be more. Uh, you know, proactive. Again, the reality is uh, there are two sides to this. The, the number one is it's a free service, and uh, you know, you you get what you pay for. They can, they're willing to do whatever. I mean, they're welcome to do whatever the hell they want with with our feeds, and they've made that clear over the years by keeping changing them. And this is just the first time that they've come out and basically used scientific methods and and research method methodology and and admitted to it. Now, well, no, they they have they have published several research papers, but it's mostly around the, the computer science side of it, how they do what they do. Yeah, I mean actual emotional manipulation, which is what they did this time around. So yeah. it, it's a bit weird. Uh, I, I, you know, I went to school and and got a degree in psychology, and one of the things that we did is you know we did we were tasked with coming up with experiments and I did one very similar to this. Uh, there wasn't Facebook or anything like that at the time. And certainly I, that's, that's the other thing is just these billions of users is a researcher's wet dream. You cannot like imagine what people are salivating to try out on, on all of us here. But, uh, you know, I did an experiment where I played people two different types of music. I played them, you know, like industrial angry stuff for, for like a minute or they listen to classical and then you run them through a, a series of questions that basically you figure out their mood. Are they more, anxious are they more angry blah 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 that's basically what facebook did on a much wider scale by manipulating our, our news feeds um what we have to do though when you're when you're in the scientific realm is we have to actually have ethics about these sorts of things yes. and, and inform <laughs> our our subjects what we're doing and they have to agree to be a part of this of the study now obviously there's some misdirection involved because you don't want to taint the study but at the very least they have agreed to become a part of a study i would be completely fine with facebook having done this if at some point when you logged in a little window popped up and facebook just said we're in the process of doing a few different experimental psychological research studies do you agree to be a part of this or not. And I that, that, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of millions of people would probably just say yes. But it doesn't have that, to be what it's about. You don't even have to specify that. Just say, are you willing for, the peri- for a period of four months to be a part of a study? Here's the problem. You did, they, they did do that. It's called the updated terms of service, yes. and, you, and you agreed to it. Yeah, but so that's a there, bit, there's what? your button right there. But you know that's <laughs> bullshit. If they say you want to be part of a study, it could taint the results because then everything they do is not going to be natural. Right. And here's the other one is the, the experiment that they did where they kicked off like uh, 2 million users and said, oh, uh, we think you're a robot. Right. Would you would you please re up? And they knew full well that these people weren't robots. It was just an experiment to see if people would, you know, fight against it, come back, do whatever. Yeah. That was an experiment. They knew full well that these people weren't robots. <laughs> you know, shit like that just drives me mad. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, but this has definitely got everybody up in arms and it's gonna be interesting. One of the things that I actually wanted to talk about more on this particular episode, but we had to kind of can it because I just couldn't do the research is I have a firm belief that people just don't care. And I think that there's a lot of sturm and drang right now about Facebook having done this to us. And I'm hoping that this will cause some changes and people will not forget, but I'm more realistic in the thought that in about two months, this will have completely blown over. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how many people they lose out of it or what the – if there's a Facebook group for complaining about it, right. you know, yeah. which is uh, – always makes me scratch my head. But <laughs> yeah, here, here's the deal. Get off of it and uh, then send them a letter or just don't use them. I mean it, the problem is here. They're a public company. 
They have to increase profits. Yeah. They are, they are beholden to the shareholder now. You are not the shareholder. It, but if you are a shareholder, then you should know better than to get on Facebook. And, and fair enough, straight up, right away, if you know how to manipulate emotional feelings in, in your users, you can, you can get better ad results. End of story. So this is going to make them money. This research will make them more money. Yeah, here, down the line. I'm brand A. I want to put an ad on, but I, only, I want to set the emotional slider Mm-hmm. You know, for okay, I only want to advertise if I have a feel good product. I only want to advertise to people who are in a crappy mood. So, do uh, do they then show more crappiness to the user in their newsfeed just so I can get more ads placed? You know, just because they have that oh. inventory. Well, you know, when does the emotional slider come in to um, you know changing people's emotions just to be able to publish a single ad that you know somebody paid for well, based at, on that criteria? Yeah, I mean, look at this. I'll just give you a dead easy example from from my world, which is music marketing. So I I am going to pay to promote an ad on Facebook because that's the only way I can get anybody to look at it anymore. Say one of my bands is going out on tour and I want to promote the tour dates. So first, I already have the sliders to do location. So I can I can target things for specific shows in specific areas. Now they add a slider saying mood. And then they give me a couple different options. If I know a user is in a good mood and the band that I'm working for has a very popular happy song, I will put that happy song on my ad for the tour. If I know they're in a bad mood and then the band has an angry song, I'll stick that one on the ad instead. It will be more effective. Exactly. How long till that happens, you think? I don't think it's going to be that long. Uh, I don't think it'll be that long. If, 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 there's no, if there's no outrage coming from their users for this, mm-hmm. then they'll, they have carte blanche to keep, doing, to keep going with yeah. it. Yeah, and it would Absolutely. be incredibly useful for me. <laughs> Well, then you're part of the damn problem. Well, I, yeah, but that's just, this is the whole bigger argument that we're going to have to start to get into. And this is why I, I did like uh, I didn't get to read all of Dana Boyd's article, but uh, it's it, data manipulation is going to be a huge issue. I mean, I was even thinking about that just this morning because um, uh, I was watching the Today Show, as I've mentioned before, which I just kind of do in the morning. And uh, they were talking again about that uh, that idiot guy that that was researching how long a kid has to be in a car in heat before the kid will die. And that happened. And now he's on trial. And I was just thinking how creepy it is that, I mean, it's good in this case because they're going to be able to grab this guy, but the ability to just go back and find out everything that you've done online after you've been caught or even not caught, just, just, you know, maybe maybe it's a false claim against you, and and somebody starts a, an investigation against you that isn't even correct. The amount of data that anybody can get about you that is just being saved everywhere, it's starting to freak people out, and it's a weird thing that we're just going to have to deal with because right now the way we're going, this is the reality. Uh, everything that you do online is known. Absolutely, and, and, and here, here, can now be fucked with. <laughs> but and and so does. This is my last my, my last point on this Facebook mm-hmm. thing. I don't want to beat it to death, but right. let's say they're they're using me for data research. Yeah, they they want to take everything that I've deleted off of Facebook and see if there's a pattern to it. So does that give them the right to keep all of the stuff that I have actually deleted, which they, I I wholeheartedly believe they do anyway? Keep all that stuff and then run pattern matching against that, and then you know craft an experience for me based on the things that I've already gotten rid of. Yeah. You know, it, it does that give them the right to do that just because they say we can use your data for research purposes. Yeah. I mean, and that brings up a whole other like can of worms, which is deleting is no longer deleting and it should be. <laughs> so I don't know. It's such a it's such a strange world that we're heading into. 
and, and on the technical side of deleting, they've got so many systems and this stuff is mirrored across so many, you know, drives and computers and archives and tape backups. You can't delete everything anymore. No, it's period. impossible. Yeah. Even if you even if you jump through the hoops to get your Facebook account technically deleted, I'm sure that stuff is always going to be there. And somebody with a subpoena can go find it. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, enough of Facebook. All right, moving on. So. I think we both actually posted this one to the show notes. It's the uh, the pitchforks are coming for us plutocrats. <laughs> yeah, this was a this was a good article. It's definitely you know I think it's something that you and I have been saying for quite a while. But I like it coming from somebody who is actually a you know a, a Silicon Valley gazillionaire. Um, okay, well yeah, the the article is from Nick uh, Hanauer, yeah. who is a he's basically an Amazon gazillionaire. He, he invested in Bezos early, yeah, and then you know ran with it and is now worth a, a bloody fortune. He calls himself a zillionaire. Yeah. To, and, and he's to my and, fellow zillionaires. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing is about, you know, how people need to wise up and share the wealth or we're going to be coming after them. Yeah. As, as, as po folk are going to be coming after them, which seems to be the way things are tipping because every, every day there's a little bit more and more, uh, just animosity. You know, people yeah. are fight, people are fighting for more. There seems to be give and take, you know, it's like, it is a push and a pull. But if everybody, all the zillionaires jumped on this this theory that is like, okay, let's pay people a living wage, uh, like more than a living wage, mm-hmm. and it'll come back to us. It'll be, mean more business, and we'll just get richer. Yeah. But you know, trying Again, to change the minds of all the people with all the money, I, it's, this is a tough sell. It's an attempt to trickle down, which doesn't work. You got to pay the bottom up. You can't. I've been screaming about the middle class going away for ages. This article, he's admitting that it is happening, um, for sure. Without a doubt, uh, it, it's a really good article. It's a good read, um, but unfortunately, those of us that listen to this podcast reading it already know this, and we need uh, we need those rich people to read it. Uh, he does make an extremely good historical point. Um, if we don't do something to fix the glaring inequality. Inequities in this economy, the pitchforks are going to come for us. No society can sustain this kind of rising inequality. In fact, there is no example in human history where wealth accumulated like this and the pitchforks didn't come out eventually. You show me a highly unequal society and I will show you a police state or an uprising. No counterexamples, none. And yep. that, that is exactly true. And that's, <laughs> that's where we're headed. Okay, you just summed up the entire article, so you don't need to go read it. That's the <laughs> no, whole thing. That's still a lot of great In a nutshell, that's the whole damn thing. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so uh, Medium, who I've mocked incessantly yes. on, on this show, has hired Stephen Ryder – Stephen Ryder, <laughs> tech writer Stephen Levy uh, as it's kind of moved into its like content creation side. Yeah. Which makes me – it just tells me they have no idea what the hell they're going to do with this thing. They've built a lovely little platform mm-hmm. that people like you know you or I can publish to for no money yeah. and get nothing out of it, especially yeah. traffic yeah. to your own site. And now they're going to just be writing their own content with the you know free content. So it's just going to be this mishmash. I just don't think they have a clear idea where, where the service is going. And I've, I've been saying that. Yeah. Like how the hell are they going to monetize this? Are they going to – Force me to pay them to put my shit on their service to get that's nothing not, out that, of. Yeah. That's not going to work, you know. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, if I I don't have an article to go with this, but I, I was talking to a, a couple friends of mine, and uh, apparently LinkedIn is now trying to pivot that way as well, and they've reached out to uh, a lot of people that do kind of you know, generic blog writing within certain industries to come and publish your articles at LinkedIn. Is there any pay? No. <laughs> so it's I mean, like, why? Yeah, they, why would they, I do that? They have no idea what they're what's going on over there. I mean, the the business to business or, or you know employee to business model yeah. never worked. I never got a job out of them. I killed my account probably over a year ago now. Yeah. So it, it 
I, I don't even go to LinkedIn. I know it's still quote unquote big, but I don't think anybody gets much value out of it whatsoever. So that's why they're they're on there pivoting. I don't either. Uh, but now. you want to talk a good use of data mining. If I were in a, a big employee or employer, I would just be monitoring LinkedIn because I've noticed that the only time anybody ever updates or reaches out and makes new connections is when they're getting ready to switch jobs. That's true. There's so some data mining for you. Well, yeah, you, data mining on your own employees to see who's unhappy and is ready to jump ship. Exactly. <laughs> so, now, going back to gazillionaires, mm-hmm. Uber has started to partner with a helicopter booking app called Blade. <laughs> yes, this will be the Uber Platinum plans. <laughs> oh, man. I, if you're trying to I, – I just – well, I'm not going to go with Blade X. You know, people with their own <laughs> helicopters who are going to come pick me up on my rooftop. I'll skip that one. Yeah. But I guess if you're if you're in the Uber rich, you can afford to pick up a helicopter and jet around wherever. I don't see many. I don't see that working too much here in uh, Chicago. But who uh, knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah, who knows? It'll be big in L.A. and New York for the gazillionaires, the zillionaires that are saying to hell with it and just want to see our society collapse. Well, especially in San Francisco, if you get an Uber and you're going to your house where all the Google picketers are, you just get a helicopter instead. And they- <laughs> And you know you just fast line down into your backyard and you're done. Yeah. You skip the whole you skip the whole process, and then you can have the helicopter hover over the guys and blow away all their little makeshift uh, Google Go Home signs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man, I'm going to skip this one. I, I want to talk about uh, an article that was in Salon about the uh, future of music. Yeah. I would because I want to get your take on this. It's a it's an article talking about how the next Pixies or White Stripes is going to come from the ranks of the indie bands. Uh, there is no indie anymore. There, there, there's either, there's either incredibly massively highly successful pop artists or there's people barely getting by. Um, no, I, no more middle, no more musical middle class. No, there's no, we're, we're squeezing out middle classes in every aspect of society in every job market in every entertainment industry in everything. It's the haves and the have nots. Now that's all it is. Uh, I think it's an interesting choice that the author chose the pixies who never really established any kind of financial success. They're just, I mean, they got by because it was that time, but they're not millionaires by any means. Um, they were a very influential band, but not a successful band. The white Stripes an incredibly successful band that did start as an indie label. Um, but again, it was timing. If, if the White Stripes came out now, they wouldn't do shit. And Adele, who is a massively successful pop artist, and does, one of these does not fit with the others. In fact, neither yeah, which, of them, <laughs> which neither of them really fit together at all. They're completely different examples and completely different paths to where, they've, where they happen to be, uh, two of which successful, except... White Stripes ended a long time ago, and he's off doing his own thing. Um, he's and, making uh, a boutique vinyl records now. Yeah, and the Pixies, who never really uh, achieved much success and are still out there slogging on the road because they need to make money. Uh, I don't see any kind of indie alternative music scene out there that's coalesced. I mean, there, there's stuff, you know, if you go to pitchfork.com, I mean, there's a gazillion bands I've never heard of that tons of people, I guess, are into, but they're not really making any money. Uh, I don't think alternative music will ever scale those kind of heights again. The financial landscape right now doesn't allow it. Um, the model that, that the, this author is talking about is basically Nirvana, uh, a band that kicked around long enough on sub pop and, and just touring as, as an indie that then got picked up by a major label and heavily promoted and crossed over into the mainstream. Maybe that'll happen again. I, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't see any rock and roll bands doing well that aren't legacy acts, meaning they got successful back when you could, um, and are still basically existing off of that and on touring. Uh, pop music does all right, but those are heavily marketed machines. Um, 
and you still see some stuff going on with with you know rap and and hip hop and R and B um, and country for sure. But even that, I don't I see it very stratified these days. It's it's the people that made it and. And the people that are just going to keep struggling away at it. And, and until there's some major shift in the industry, I don't see anything changing. So now I want to ask you, mm-hmm. just because now everybody has the tools to make music in their own home. Yeah. And we have more musicians out there, more bands. Yeah. Is, is this a, also a problem of just too much talent? You know, it like the uh, the attention span is spread so thin. I'm sure that, that it's really hard to find somebody that you can really get into. I'm sure that there's a lot of talent out there, but the the opening of the ranks of and the availability to easily record music yourself also means there's a lot of people that are really, 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 really bad out there. Uh, <laughs> the, there are gems buried within. Part of the problem again, and I can't believe I'm going to be defending major labels right now, but I'm going to, uh, because what major labels used to do, and, and they screwed the pooch on this themselves because they stopped doing it because they got scared about money, was they would foster artists and they would give them a couple albums to, to find themselves and find their voice and, and hone their craft and become great artists as opposed to decent. You find talent and you hone it. It's, it's just not built in. And that's what labels used to do. The other major function that, that major labels used to do was filtering. They would, if you got signed, you got on the radio. You had to go through the process to get signed first, which means A&R guys went out and saw you and they basically said, you're not good enough yet. Go tour some more. Go write some more. Go work on it some more. Okay, now we'll sign you and now we'll foster you. So the entire filtering process is completely gone. Okay, that makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, it's, we see it in journalism as well. You know, now that there's, we talked just a little bit ago about you know the people that write long form content and and those authors and those writers and journalists are still out there, but there aren't any new ones. And if they are, they're publishing all over the place. They're publishing on Medium. They're publishing on Huffington Post. And their their talent isn't being honed, and they're not being fostered, and they're never going to reach any kind of critical acclaim. They're just stuck writing listicles now. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, sticking with the music thing, mm-hmm. there was the news this week about uh, SoundCloud basically giving Universal the keys to the castle yeah. to, to go in and find stuff that they think uh, infringes on their copyright and uh, pull it without any oversight from SoundCloud themselves. I'm pretty sure that's in SoundCloud's terms of service. That can happen anyways. Uh, I'm not surprised by this. In fact, it's just all sound. All of this already existed. Uh, the infrastructure to do this already existed. I, I've dealt with this ages ago when I thought it was going to be a really good idea to get uh, to get um, artists that I work with to get their stuff up on SoundCloud because it's just more eyeballs, and I like people being able to comment on bits and pieces. Nine times out of ten, every time I had to put a song up by an artist for the official artist on an official artist account, it would end up getting pulled, and get, I'd get copyright notices, and I'd have to do the dance anyways. Uh, and that was just their built-in automated system, which YouTube has as well, and everybody else does. And all they basically did this time around was say, all right, well, instead of us doing it internally, here, here's the keys. Go ahead, Universal. Find your own stuff. Yeah, we don't make enough money to look over your shoulders. Exactly. So. We're not making enough money to do this ourselves. So if you're so concerned about it, you go in and take care of it. And then the process exists to go ahead and, and try to figure out, you know, go through the appeal process, blah, 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 blah. But uh, like everything, like YouTube itself, it's just SoundCloud. There's tons of people putting up copyrighted material up there. You know, just because you've made a mixtape doesn't mean you get to take my track, which you then overlay with somebody else's at some point in the last 30 seconds, throw it up on your SoundCloud and let people listen to it. I'm not getting paid. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> that's, that's all I wanted to know. If, if, <laughs> as, as a musician, what your thoughts were. So yeah, I, again, it's it's the the it, there has to be some sort of massive shift and 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 sea change within the industry for any of this to start making sense. Right now, it just doesn't. So okay, yeah. Now <laughs> you you tell me about this or this one. You you posted this last article for the news. Uh, I started to see a bunch of of posts popping up on, on Facebook or Twitter from people that that got early invitations to the new emoji only social network. Their names are things like the two beers clinking together, or a heart, or a bunch of kittens. After I read this article, I went and tried to register uh, the little piece of poo in a storm uh, cloud, <laughs> but somebody had already gotten it, so I couldn't get it. Um, this is I'm going to I'm going to coin a new term today. Okay, I'm going to call it shark baiting. All right. Building a shark fin website <laughs> specifically built to get you a lot of uh, publicity, traffic, and users in a very short time that you know is not going to work just so you can use that as a stepping stone to your next gig. Oh, I agree. That's totally what this is. So I, I call yeah. this – I call the emojily uh, shark baiting. That's yeah. it. It's, it's a flash in the pan. Idiot idea that just wasted a bunch of my Twitter feed. We won't hear about this uh, uh, this social network again in three or four weeks, but uh, these guys will have moved on to a bigger and better job. Unless they uh, they merge with Yo. <laughs> What's the emoji for Yo? Oh, I'm going to send you a Yo and a poop. <laughs> that would no. The poop is the Yo. Oh, poop. Security, ha. Huh. Keeping up with the Android. Uh, Hacks and cracks and all that, <laughs> which I'd just love to talk about. Uh, there was a serious Android crypto key theft vulnerability. It only affected 86% of uh, Android devices out there. Yeah. Well, 86%. Oopsies. That's, that's not bad. And since you have most of the time on Android, it's like at the carrier's discretion to upgrade you to the latest version of Android, they're probably still vulnerable. So uh, it's basically with their, the way they store keys and uh, lets you get get the keys to you know spoof other apps and things like that. Um, I looked into it a little bit, but it was it's a fairly sizable vulnerability, and I just like making fun of Android <laughs> in their in their, in their lack of security. Yeah, yeah, not good. I'm still glad I have an iPhone. <laughs> well, at least they, I mean, at least that that's the upside of having the iPhone is yeah, you don't get to hack it as much, and unless you jailbreak it and all that. But the uh, the uh, the desire to keep it up to date is great because they add new features to it all the time, and it's one company. It's not distributed. It's not open source. You can't. You don't have a hundred different phone manufacturers hacking their own versions, putting on their crapware. Yep. And every you app know. that you submit to the Apple Store goes through a rigorous and painful. I could speak from experience. Process of Q and A by them. Yes, it's a very <laughs> very thorough proctological exam. Yes. <laughs> So before we covered uh, the Google removing uh, records under the Right to Be Forgotten mm -hmm. Act, remember yes. that? I and do we, we, that. We, 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 had, we had some pretty good laughs at it that it'll probably never happen until they can yeah. find, find a couple interns under a rock that they could stick on it. Well, they've actually started. All right. Believe it or not, they're, they're taking people's records out. I, I'm good with this, but my question, since we just talked about how there is no such thing as real deletion anymore, all they're doing is removing how easy it is to find the stuff. They're not actually removing the stuff. Well, you know, tomato, tomato. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> these days, if you if you type it into Google and it doesn't show up, it doesn't exist anymore. But we've talked a little bit in the past about the way I always get these confused. Which one's the dark web and which one's the deep web? 
the dark web is the Tor thing, and then the deep web is the massive amounts of stuff that's out there that just isn't in Google and is harder to find and all that sort of stuff, right? Close enough. All right, close enough. Anyways, <laughs> there's still that. So, so all the stuff that that's out there is just going to be harder for people to find, but not gone. But I applaud Google for doing this. I think that this is this is the way that we do need to start this dealing with this sort of stuff. This is when regulations and laws and all that sort of stuff actually on the internet starts to make a bit of sense. I'm happy about this. Well, it's the Europeans have always been much more stringent with data collection and retention. You yeah. know, they they they. They do it right. Yeah, I agree. For the most part, uh, they for can, the most can, part. Be, can be a little draconian with it, but uh, yeah, it's. I wish they had it here. Me too. Maybe we'll so. get that. You know, maybe Facebook can tell that I'm happy about this. Well, we, we don't have a uh, security breach of the week, unfortunately. Sad. I'm sure it's out there. I mean, out of all the articles I went through, I couldn't find any big breaches this week. But if you add up all of the breaches in 2013, 14 mm-hmm. percent. Of the world's debit cards were exposed. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's a hell of a lot. <laughs> that, is, that is not a uh, trivial number. No. And I got to say, I mean, maybe this is just me being old and, and not having had an issue with my credit cards in a long time. But I did have an issue this week where there was a charge that I didn't quite understand. And in the past, what I would do would be call my credit card company and just kind of go, I don't know what this charge is. Can you guys figure it out? And then they would basically just kind of push that charge off into some amorphous area where they would do some research on it and then get back to me and say, well, blah, 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 and you do whatever. And that would be that. Credit cards don't even mess around anymore. If you call and you have a question about something, they cancel it. Your card is canceled. We're sending you a new one. End of story. There's no like, there's no just, can you investigate this anymore? It's just your card's done. Yeah. Next card, <laughs> which, so. which is good because of all this sort of stuff, but it, it is a pain in the ass. Especially if you're on vacation. <laughs> Especially if you're on vacation or about to leave on one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Microsoft kind of went uh, little balls to the wall this week. That was some serious shit. I, uh, Microsoft just went, all right, screw it. We're going to fix this. <laughs> they they basically took over a bunch of domains from the company called NoIP, which does uh, anonymous DNS service. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, uh, if you have like a transient uh, home IP, like for your cable modem, you can attach a domain to it. Mm-hmm. And you have an agent running on your computer, and it will if, if your IP changes, it'll tell the service, so you can have a stable domain name automatically. Yeah. Well, a lot of uh, spammers and spam bot owners, and um, basically like spam bot network owners, use these kind of services for their command and control servers because the servers change IPs all the time. Yeah. Because they're bouncing around, they're using all sorts of tactics to get away from people, and Microsoft is like, look, you guys are part of this problem <laughs> because uh, they're using your network and we, we, we can track like, you know, 25 million machines that are, you know, calling home to these things through your network. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to just take it over. Yeah. And we, we promise we're going to let through uh, the good traffic and we're going to block the bad traffic. And apparently that didn't happen. And like 4 million, <laughs> 4 million legitimate sites have gone dark. People yeah. who have paid for the service, it has gone dark because Microsoft is just like, eh, well, well, oh, well. <laughs> We're doing we're doing a greater good. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I mean, I've used uh, dynamic was it yeah dynamic DNS DYN DNS yeah. uh, in the past when they were free. Now they've got a pay model only, I think. Uh, but yeah, it was a great service, and I used it for that purpose not not the spam bot purpose, but for you know having a server at my house and illegally hosting it on my cable connection, which you're not allowed to do. Yeah, but it works works great. Yeah, 
it does um, work. And, you know, there are, I'm sure there are a lot of, well, obviously there's like 4 million uh, legitimate sites. But uh, the reality is these kind of services are used by, by the bad guys, always. So. Yeah. But you know what? If you want to solve the problem of people's computers getting hacked and turned into spam bots, Microsoft had telling these people <laughs> that they're doing something wrong. It's kind of the pot calling the fucking kettle black, honestly. That is like, true. Fix your OS. Fix Outlook. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> now, the way that they, they – like the court documents that they submitted to get this injunction or whatever, to get the power to do this. Yeah. They spelled the word steal, as in steal your passwords, as S-T-E-E-L. Right there, the judge should have said, you can't spell. Get the hell out of my courtroom. That's right. all I got. That's it. Proofread. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Idiots. Well, you know, once we get robot journalism, we won't have misspellings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it technically wasn't misspelled as a contextual error, no, but it was, still, it was still completely right. The first thing I saw, I'm like, steal? Is that like a new term? I'm like, oh, oh, Jesus, really? <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm sure they paid a lot of people to make a really bad uh, PowerPoint presentation that that slide came from. Because it was, if you look at it, it's terrible. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, we always talk about password stuff, and we love one password. Yep. And there was a demo out there for how they're going to integrate with iOS 8, and it looks really cool. <laughs> it's like the way they have the new sharing stuff looks great. I cannot wait because I hate jumping between apps, you know. And using the in like the in one password browser is a pain in the ass. Yeah, I hate that like, browser. So now you'll be able to like integrate with any any of the apps that have like the share capabilities, like those crazy new share capabilities in iOS 8. So I'm really looking forward to it. Just hit, hit the thumb button, you're done. Yeah, it looks cool. Definitely means I'm going to have to get a new phone. Oh, that's right. You have a 5. Yeah, I got to upgrade. Well, six is, 6 is coming, and it might even be big. You might even get your iFablet. <laughs> I don't want an iFablet. Oh, well. No. It'll um, be nice. Speaking of passwords, there was a great article on Medium. Uh-huh. <laughs> called how it, So this guy, we're pimping the hell out of him. He's not going to get any ad traffic. Um, how a password changed my life. Yeah. It was. It's a cute story about how a guy is going through a divorce or whatever, and it trying to come up with a password that he would remember. He basically used affirmations yeah. as his password, which is cute. I mean, it's, it's cute, but honestly, this is so easily hackable. You, you do well, some, you do some life hacking on this guy. You could figure out his passwords. <laughs> no, no, go, go look at the XKCD password. Uh, <laughs> the password cartoon that we talked about before. These are long passwords. It's hard to, hard to figure out. Okay. Yeah. No, entropy, entry, entry, entropy on those is pretty high. It definitely so, goes, uh, gets back into the whole psychology thing, forcing yourself to type something out every single time you had to access something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except he should still be using one password and have multiples for everything. I agree. But, you know, <laughs> if, if it worked for him, it helped him get skinny, I guess, or quit smoking, one of the two. And uh, get over his ex-wife. And not drink oh. for two months. And get well, a he, 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 could, he should check out our teledildonic segment. Okay. Um, and, and FaceTime his mom on Sunday, but don't don't confuse the apps if you're calling your mom. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> don't open up your real touch app when you try and call your mom yeah. or vice versa. That'd be bad. You definitely uh, don't so- want to find out that she has one and she answers. Oh, <laughs> wrong. There was a, a good TED talk I found this week, and I think it might be an older one because it was, it was filmed in October 2013. Yeah. It's an interesting talk on cyber warfare, and this guy's like, uh, he used the word cyber a lot, which I'm like, ASL, you know, anyone, <laughs> anyone. 
And it talks about how he takes the ones and zeros and turns them into visual representations so that they can quickly identify different pieces of code based on, you know, our ability to visually do pattern recognition. Yeah. The, the, the troubling part about the talk is his entire premise is blowing up a terrorist cell phone in his hand. <laughs> That's the whole thing. We want to blow up the terrorist phone. I'm like, okay, if you can do that, you can blow up my phone too. Yeah. I, I think you're, That's, you might have wanted to left that, out of, left that out of the presentation there, buddy. There's, an awful, lot, the phone. there's yeah. an awful lot of comments saying, I really do not want my phone to blow up, and now I'm terrified. Now, if you take it, I, I posted this on our Facebook page, but if you take it to, he, he uses pictures of kittens quite a bit. And I'm like, if you take it to its illogical conclusion, they will soon one day be able to blow up kittens with the press of a button. But <laughs> yes. Now, uh, in, our, in, in our ranting and raving about WordPress hacks, mm-hmm. it's not only the little guys and that crappy, you know, plug-in from Joe Schmo down the street yep. that, that can cause problems. Discuss the huge comment system. Massively used almost everywhere. Yep. They got hit with a, uh, a flaw in their WordPress plugin too. Yeah. So even the big boys have, have uh, issues because it is open source and anybody can look at your code. So if you publish it, make sure you check the <laughs> shit out of it. O- <laughs> Seriously. Open source giveth and open source screw you the next day. <laughs> Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, and finally, this morning, there was a, a great article on Ars Technica about the black phone. It's that yeah, we've lo- been talking about this for a while. Is it finally coming? It is. It, uh, right. it's, it's shipping later this month. Mm-hmm. And uh, for pre-orders, and you'll be able to buy it soon after. And it looks cool. I mean, yeah. it looks like a standard run-of-the-mill, you know, smartphone. Mm-hmm. It, they say it's a little slower. But from the just, it's not meant for speed, and it's basically made for security. And from the security standpoint, it passes the test. Yeah, it just simply doesn't let you install any applications. <laughs> it, it, literally, <laughs> it literally is just. It, there's no power because there's no. It, there's nothing. It is. It is literally. The camera a black. doesn't work. I mean, there's, you know, it's it's perfect. It's a shiny black brick. That's it. <laughs> If you need to get somebody's attention with it, you hit him in the head with it. <laughs> no, it's 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 cool. I mean, it, it's it's good looking. It's it's really interesting. They definitely put a lot of thought into it. It's they they have definitely thought a lot about the security. But the reality is, you know, ninety percent of the things that you probably want to use, you can't. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. Yeah, you can make phone calls sometimes. And apparently they don't have the corporate lockdown stuff yet, and that's coming. So yeah. like you know, so you can have your like corporate uh, policies spread out to all your phones in your in your company that's coming down the line but if you just tell people how to use it or set it up for them and yeah. tell them not to change your settings yeah. it should be it should be uh pretty good to go for you from security wise lots of proxy work and lots of stuff baked in you get uh all sorts of stuff it's pretty cool looking it's pretty cool it's, it's, and i like it just because i think that a phone like this pushing the boundaries on this sort of stuff and and publicizing it is going to help out in the long run for our iphones it's this is stuff that you know apple's going to look at and go huh that's a really good idea Maybe if people, st- yeah. If yeah. people start buying it, Apple will will steal it. Exactly. At the library. Last week we talked about uh, Robopocalypse. Yep, love that, it. That great book, and uh, we we mentioned that Robogenesis was out the the follow up. Yep, bought it. And since unfortunately I've read a thousand articles this week, I haven't had much time for actual reading. But I got into this one. I'm about twenty to thirty percent into it. Holy shit, it's good. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a little further on than I am. Um, it's definitely he pivoted. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, right out of the gate, it's like whoa. Yeah, it, it's been a good read so far. I, I'm hoping I'll probably uh, knock off 
I'll probably finish it on the plane today. That's that's my plan, anyways. But uh, I, I we'll see where it's going to go. This I, I this is one of those ones where I I'm not sure this could this could go totally right or just uh, horrible horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. Yeah. yeah. So far, though, it it's holding it's holding my attention. And unfortunately, I was reading some of it before I went to bed the other night. Crazy bad dreams. <laughs> Crazy bad dreams. That never happens to me, but I'm sure. Uh, well, I'm not going to do any spoilers yet because I no, we do no really spoilers. recommend that people read these books because they, they were actually really good. And it looks like they might be making a movie. Steven Spielberg's on to direct. So. Uh, yeah, Robo Apocalypse would make a great movie. There's there's it, no doubt about it. I mean, I hope that they do what the book did and, and focus on the stories and the emotions and and not just go with crazy robots running around everywhere. Yeah, hopefully they'll do it better than – since this book I is robot. based on the world – no, the World War Z. Because mm. World War Z had the same framework of, of the storytelling and then they just turned it into something completely different. Yeah, I, so. I never actually even saw the movie World War Z because I liked the book so much and everybody just said it was nothing like the book. So I was like – Well, here's the deal. It's nothing like the books but if you want a popcorn action zombie movie, it, it was OK. It was a uh, B. Fair I, it, wasn't, it wasn't a bad movie. Just think of it as you know Z. <laughs> Not World War Z. It's just BZ, Brad Z. Okay, Brad, World War Pit. World War Pit. There, that's better. That's okay. better. Software, apps, and gadgets. Fitbit, my yes, favorite. you love it. Came out with a big update. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, in RunKeeper style, you can track your walks slash runs. No bike riding, sorry, Brian. <laughs> with With maps and data and all this stuff. And uh, also food tracking, they've added like 350,000 items that you can bar scan and all that crap. The the exercise tracking, yeah, abysmal. Ugh, great. It is terrible. I did a, a side-by-side with RunKeeper. I started at the same time, opened both apps, hit start, Yeah. did, did like a little over a mile walk, stopped yeah. them at the same time. And uh, the Fitbit thought I traveled about 0.4 miles. And RunKeeper... With the, I looked at the map between the two, and Runkeeper had mine right. It was 1.2 miles, which is exactly the – I've driven that track. It is 1.2 miles on the nose. Yeah. I'm going to have a separate blog post that will be on grumpyoldgeeks.com that will have the side-by-side links to the um, the output so you can just check it out. Mm-hmm. But, man, they got a long way to go. Yeah. I, I, okay. So I still have Argus because I haven't found anything better. Or that does everything that I needed to do. Because the reality for me is I need exercise tracking, I need steps, I need biking. Uh, I can't find anything that does it as well as Argus does. Argus actually just did another update recently. And I've got to say they've gotten a bit better with some of their stuff. Um, Complaint number one, uh, I turned off all the social settings because that freaked me out. Remember, I had the heart attack when all of a sudden people were, you know, I I had no idea that there were social settings. And when I did an update a while back, all of a sudden I had 25 people requesting me as a friend and commenting on my bike rides saying how great they were. Um, When the update came, all of a sudden I went and I did my yoga and uh, I had people commenting on my yoga again. I'm like, what the hell? And then I had went into the privacy settings and it had magically switched on a couple of the things and turned them on to social again. Is Argus owned by Facebook? I'm starting to feel that way. Uh, <laughs> no, but they were very happy because they're in uh, they're in an Apple commercial, so they're all talking about that. Uh, I still use Argus just because I don't have anything better. I'm getting more and more annoyed by it, but I do want to track my stuff. Um, I have a feeling I'm just going to have to wait and see what people do with the with the iOS eight stuff, and uh, I'm sure somebody's going to come up with a good app from that, probably Fitbit. So, 
Yeah, well, we'll see if they can fix it. Yeah. Uh, I still like if I want to track an actual workout, RunKeeper is perfect. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for distance and mapping, right. it's great. The GPS works great. It's pretty spot on. So I'll stick with that. I had a problem with battery on Argus too. I yeah, like it's, it. it's still not good for that either. So uh, it's, I'm pretty much just going to stick with Argus until I get my new phone. <laughs> I think that's the way it's going to go. And yeah. uh, at that point, I'll probably – I'll see – I'll talk to you about Fitbit and see what's going on because I really just – I want one great app that can do all the stuff. And it's – you know, it's it's not too much to ask for for a health application track. <laughs> well, you're talking to a guy that's wearing a Misfit Shine, a Fitbit – like two devices and run three apps. So I have not found a uh, the the holy grail of apps yet. Yeah. Well, so. we won't discuss what you're wearing below your pants because I think we talked about that in the first segment. <laughs> Rewind a minute two. <laughs> so uh, we talked about spritz before that that uh, speed reading technology. Yeah, which just was kind, kind of hurt of, my eyes. Well, there's finally an app out. It's called ReadMe. That in, it's the first one to integrate spritz into uh, its reading app, and you can put in. Uh, Ebooks like yeah. the EPUB EPUB format. Okay. Nothing you, you can't you can't use the ones that you buy from iBooks or you can't do .mobi from Kindle. All right. So I, I gave it a shot. I, I dropped the ninety nine cents on it, and as I'm as I'm doing it, there's warnings about how I need <laughs> to back up my library because there was a bug in a version that they're working on a fix and all this. Open it up. Interface is terrible. I, I installed. Uh, uh, Morrissey's autobiography. I'm like, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I will read Morrissey's autobiography with spritz. Okay. <laughs> About two minutes into it, the world starts to go dark around me, and all I can see <laughs> is this little bar, and I start to get woozy. Wow, that then, actually sounds like a Morrissey song right now. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> the world has gone dark. <laughs> and so I stopped it, and I, and I just kind of looked around the room, and it, I felt like a Cylon. I just had this white bar that I could see through it. Everything else was just like, whoa, whoa. Let me ask a quick question just because uh, having read the Morrissey book in, in the EPUB format myself, uh, does, does the Spritz reader bring in the same font used in the books? Or does it just kind of default or let you switch it? Because I remember that that, that Morrissey book, the font that they picked, was absolutely horrible. And that hurt th- my eyes even to begin with. I think it's the same font. It comes with a, a built-in book from Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same font that that one uses. So I'm pretty sure it's like the, a standard font. Okay. And it would break often. Uh, apostrophes are a problem, which mm-hmm. is kind of a problem for a reading app that reads books. And it would break every time I got to a page that was just an image. And then uh, I'd have to I'd have to finger through the uh, the pages and get to the next you know starting chapter and then press the top word again and then spritz would take time to ramp up and then it would go right really annoying save your money <laughs> spritz might work in the future I did change it uh, because what they do is they have this little spritz overlay in the middle of the book and the book can be white sepia or black you know like you know yeah. the, the three standard I I switch it to black. And I didn't have as much of a problem with you know the world going crazy around me. Right. But when it's white, when it was on a white background, just watching the spritz thing go by, my man, it it well, it messes up your brain. It bit, really does. It's a bit stroby, really, right? I mean, it, oh, it's totally stroby. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have epilepsy, do not use spritz. <laughs> it will give you the shits. <laughs> Media candy. The internet is a flitter or Twitter or whatever you want to call it about uh, the Aaron Swartz documentary, The Internet's Own Boy. came out finally this week. Mm-hmm. It was Kickstartered, made its, made its money on the Kickstarter. And uh, when it came out, you could get it on Vimeo, but you had to buy it. Yeah. And a lot of people who actually 
kicked in for Kickstarter wanted to buy it and they couldn't because they weren't in the US. <laughs> so um, you could also get it from our friends in Sweden. But now you can get it on archive.org right. and get it for free because it is a uh, Creative Commons licensed film. And that would make sense since he was involved in that. So uh, Aaron Swartz, you know, internet activist, amazingly smart kid. Uh, <laughs> I only met him once. I mean, the kid is just super unbelievably smart. And had his heart in the right place, did all sorts of stuff, and then did some stupid stuff, got busted by um, the law, mm-hmm. and basically facing you know lots of, lots of years in prison and lots of money and fines, gave up and hung himself. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's a really tough story, just because I, I followed this kid from when he came on the scene until the end. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I, I really like the movie. Yes, the movie does have an agenda. <laughs> because it, it is a documentary. All documentaries have an agenda. Yes. And, but I thought they treated the subject very well. And especially when they get to the end with the, the prosecution of what he did by uh, stealing these documents was over the top. Even the people that didn't – that he stole the documents from and steal is, is you know a relative term, yes, based on what he did. But they, uh, they, they dropped – well, they dropped the charge. Like we don't want to prosecute him. OK. I, we, yeah. we don't want to prosecute him and then the government but just hold, hung look, him out to dry. Just, just the one phrase, steal is not a relative term. He did steal. It's not relative. Now, was it was – he, should he have been prosecuted to the extent that he was? No. But he did steal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Okay. See yeah. that that is the same that's the problem I had with the entire documentary. I really really enjoyed it, but they did exactly what you just did, which yeah. is yeah. let's let's dance over the actual illegal stuff that he really did do. <laughs> and 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 I do I do remember when it when the court documents came out and everybody saw him. I'm like, yeah, he was an idiot. He did, really did something stupid. He was an stupid. idiot. He, he did, did something, something stupid. Yeah, he did and he got caught. Very stupid, and he got caught. Now, should he have been prosecuted the way he was? Should he have even faced jail time? No, not particularly. Should he have been fined a shit ton? Yes. Should he have been forced to apologize or maybe start up a, a new nonprofit that actually pays attention to things like rights and intellectual properties and all of that sort of thing? Uh, well, I, I come from this from a, a, a different place than you do because I'm, I was aware of Aaron Schwartz. You can't not be and work in the industry, uh, but I didn't have any personal connections with him. Um, I thought a lot of the stuff that he did was great. He was obviously extremely smart. Um, I liked a lot of the different organizations that he started, and I wish they would have taken off and gotten more traction and been adopted and people looked at his ideas and took them – not that people didn't take them seriously. They certainly did, but they didn't end up becoming adopted, basically. Um, you know, Creative Commons is great, but it's not part of day-to-day life and intellectual property, at least in any country in the world yet. Should it be? Yes. Um, but should be doesn't excuse breaking the law. Just because it should be this way doesn't mean you get to go do it. Well, that if you remember the, the introductory quote, in the movie, it, it's it's about you know do we do we break these laws that are unjust or do we you know do we fight against the laws that I can't remember the exact quote but your point is like taken by that initial quote in the movie. Go back and watch that initial quote and right. then you know mm-hmm. then think about it some more and, and see if you still agree with that you know your your take on it and, and if what he did was right or not. That's where I, I, I come from. I think what he did was – what he was trying to do was right. But he just did it in a really dumb way. Well, he did it in a dumb way and uh, this is – But here, here's the deal. Yeah. On, it was on a the, good movie. I highly yeah, recommend just, everybody see it. 
Yeah, let's not let's not debate the point of Aaron Swartz. Let's talk about the movie. The movie was great. You can get it for free. Just go watch it. Make your own opinions on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was very well done. Um, you know, he's definitely uh, watching him from being just this precocious kid that you want to kick his teeth in, but you know he's damn smart uh, to his whole process and the various things that he was trying to achieve. Um, admirable. And a really good story. And if you are listening to this podcast, you're going to be into this because you probably already know who he is and you probably already know a lot of this stuff. You've probably um, already seen the movie. You've probably already <laughs> seen the movie. But it, it touches on a lot of the things that um, – the gray areas that the internet is really causing and, and the fact that the laws haven't necessarily kept up with the way the world actually is now. So, Yep. So we're going to stick with – the last two things are not so uh, you know tough to deal with. Uh, stars – Developing the American God series because we talk about Neil Gaiman a lot yep. and that you hate his wife. So I thought, it, I thought it was fun. We should bring this up. Their stars is making it into a series. Hopefully it won't fail like all the other times people have tried to make this into a series or Neverwhere or Sandman. So my, my, I'm like, woohoo, let's go. How's, make it happen this time. How's stars track record on developing shows? I think they're pretty good. All right. Okay. They've done they've done some really good stuff. I, I do, like them. I do remember liking American Gods. I couldn't tell you a damn thing about the book right now, but uh, maybe I'll have to go back and read it since they're going to do a show. Go back and read it. And um, I actually recommend listening to it because Audible did like a 10th anniversary edition that was a full cast recording mm-hmm. that was excellent. Okay. It was really excellent. So in other good nerd news, Sherlock renewed for a fourth season and they're throwing in a special. Well, now that it's made four seasons, I guess I can actually start watching it now. You've never watched Sherlock? No. Oh, my God. You're missing out. <laughs> I hear, you but I, I always wait to make sure the shows actually make it right now because I hate getting invested in something and uh, then uh, you know, just finding it getting canceled. Speaking of which, I forgot. You're to- one of those. You're just like Bob uh, and our guy and, and those other people that do that. And that's why shows get canceled. <laughs> you, you simpering little bitches. Well, like, if you want to punch you in the throat. Something is good. Watch it. And then they'll make more of it. If you wait and don't watch it, they won't make more of it. (laughs) And then sometimes you like it and you watch it and they don't make more of it anyway. But you have a better chance of them making more of it if you watch it. Yes, I I do definitely agree with that. And it's on Netflix, so go get it. (laughs) What is that uh, new show that the Lost People are doing? I I can't remember the name of it right now and it's killing me because I actually took a chance and watched the, the debut episode of it. Oh. I, will, I will pull up the name. You tell me about the show. The show involves uh, – it's not left behind. It's uh, you know people wake so up. It's the leftovers. I the believe. leftovers. OK, yes. yes. It's a mysterious occurrence occurs um, and everybody – you know, don't, don't, don't put too many spoilers in it because it's in my queue. To I'm get, not get giving to. you any spoilers. There isn't anything that isn't in the trailers. Two percent of the world's population disappears. Uh, nobody really knows why. And the show is going to investigate the after effects of that happening. Uh, I – enjoy the cast it was they've definitely spent a lot of money on it it's well acted it's well done i'm terrified that they're going to completely skip around any answers ever um because the that's what they did with lost as well and the guy that uh, did the writing for lost that wrote this is also already going around doing interviews saying how the show's really about the emotional impact not so much the occurrence Oh, I won't be watching this then. <laughs> exactly. So you know where that's going to go. And it does feel like leftover plot lines from Lost so far. Uh, yeah, I think this is, this, is one of, this is my case in point that I should probably have waited to see if it lasts more than one season. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you, you, you lost me at the Lost guys. Yeah, uh, as soon as he started doing interviews where he was saying that, I was like, oh, that means you're never going to answer this. And this is just the, uh, the, what's it called? The deuce ex machina? 
Deus ex machina. That, yeah, you could. Sorry, I think I spit on my microphone for that one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to spit on my mic. I like it. So, okay, I'll, pa- I'll, I'll pass on the leftovers. Yeah, I'm hold off on that one. But I will get on Sherlock. Not literally. Yes, please do. Yeah. Moron of the Week. Our Moron of the Week is Adam Richman. Adam Richman was the star of Man vs. Food, uh, a funny little TV show about him going out and finding really horrible food but delicious and then doing a big food challenge at the end of every show where he tried to eat so much that it would make you sick. Um, (laughs) How very American of him. Over the past few years, he has lost a lot of weight. uh, And I had actually thought he had quit the show when he lost the weight, but apparently he was still doing it because he went off and did a crazy rant online and has had his show taken away from him now. (laughs) Oops. Oopsies. Um, so yeah, because he lost a lot of weight and blah, 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 he ended up getting in a pissing match online because he used the term thinspiration, which then somebody got mad at because they said that that's a term that anorexics use. And then he basically called people C words and called them fat fucks and a bunch of other things. Um, and this is exactly why if your livelihood depends on the masses, i.e. you're a celebrity, you hire people like me to do this away from do this stuff for you and you step away from the iPhone. It's not that you can't have an opinion. You can, but having an opinion and pissing people off tend to be at odds with keeping a TV show. Unless you're like a professional comedian and then yeah, you're, if you're a comedian, then you're, all good, then you're good at it. You yeah. know, you could, you're, you're used to handling trolls. You're used to handling people like that. Yeah. Now I think his replies were justified because these people were kind of snotty trolly. Um, he should have had a separate account to do it from mm-hmm. run it through an anonymizing proxy in another country. And if you really want to feed the trolls, it's kind of like hacking a bank. You just never do it from your own home. That's it. <laughs> so. There that's my go. that's my take on Adam Richman. I uh, never really I never really liked his show, so I don't really care. But yeah, yeah, this it, it's funny. The show He's was, an idiot. The show was okay. It was no diners, drive-ins, and dives, which I actually like. But that guy's an idiot too. But it's just it's uh, justified or not. You're not going to be keeping your TV show if you do that. It was stupid. <laughs> well, you'll probably get to keep it. They just pushed it back a while. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe you can do something with Paula Dean. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy. I ran across this thing this week called the Mayo Gesture Control Armband. I'd never seen it before. Apparently, it's you know, I it's been around for a little bit. You can get a dev kit for it, but it's a unit that you put on your forearm mm-hmm. that lets you basically have the force. <laughs> you wave your hand around, and shit happens on your computer, or you can play video games with it. It is the coolest looking thing. Now, just a quick question: Did or did not the entire Microsoft, whatever the hell they call that, Xbox uh, Connect get, Connect even get rid of the need to wear anything? You just move. Well, kinda, sorta. Oopsies. But th- that works. This works with your computer. That only works with your Xbox. <laughs> but this okay? one, go- this one goes to eleven. Well, it's cool. It's got like nine. Axis motors and in, in, oh, I'm sorry, inertial measurement units, mm-hmm. uh, proprietary muscle activity sensors. Uh, it works on Bluetooth low energy. It's got a bunch of goodies in it. It looks like it's fun. Yeah. And it's not, it's not that much. It's like 160 bucks for the dev kit. I'm not going to order it because I don't write C, so I wouldn't be able to write anything for it. Right. So I'll wait till it comes out, but it looks fun. So if oh. you get one of those coupled with the uh, – the VR headsets that you know just got bought by Facebook. Yeah, uh, you know you can have some fun. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, much like the rings that you talked about last week that uh, that attached to your phone, um, mm-hmm. I would like to see the studded armband version of this. 
as opposed to just the black. I want I want giant metal studs coming off each of these panels. So you want I can, some punk rock? Yeah, so I can go to like a punk rock show and move things with my with my force arm. Well, unless the unless the punk rock show is being broadcast by a computer and not a bunch of sweaty old men on stage, then you might be, yeah, might have to go to the industrial music scene. Then they're kind of punk with computers. Yeah, it could be, could be. You could, you can. Uh, oh, you could DJ with it. Ooh, there you go. There you oh, go. Wiki, wiki, wiki. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The words written on Twitter every day would fill a book of ten million pages. It's either the most boring book ever written, or better yet, it's Macbeth. It's a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Dramatic reading over. Closing shoutouts. We are recording this on Thursday, the 3rd of July, 2014, so I would like to say happy birthday to Julian Assange. Uh, it's his third year stuck in the Ecuadorian embassy, so I'm sure he's having a fun time for his birthday. I'm sure he's having a blast, and uh, I'm sure he's not willing to celebrate uh, tomorrow's birthday. Happy birthday, America. America! <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> uh, I want to give a shout-out to the Save Our Podcast Legal Defense Fund. Please go to fundanything.com slash patentroll. This is the fight that Adam Carolla has been fighting for all of us that do podcasts. Um, go check it out It's it, and toss him a couple bucks because uh, if, if he doesn't win this, then uh, podcasting as we know it will probably go away. Yep, I've kicked in a few bucks. I don't know about you, but I have. I have as well. And uh, finally, I want to give a shout-out to yoga, yoga in general, but yoga specifically before you're about to get on a flight. As uh, we're wrapping this up, I will be shutting down my computer, and I'll be getting ready to head over to LAX to do a five-and-a-half-hour flight plus the one-and-a-half hours that you have to be there ahead of time. Uh, And I've started a recent tradition slash process slash whatever of always doing – I've got a quick little 30-minute yoga program that I use. Uh, and I do that uh, before I head off to the airport every single time now. And I've got to say it helps. Not only does it help in terms of mood when I, you're dealing with the security people, what I'm going to need you to do for me right now, sir, is step back, sir, please take off your shoes, sir, please put your shoes back on, sir. No, you don't take off your hat. Yes, you take off your hat. <laughs> what do I do with my laptop? Blah, 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 blah. Not, it helps with that. But I also just find that uh, the 30 minutes of stretching and all that makes a five hour flight a lot more bearable for these old bones. Well, also, when the TSA agents ask you to reach over and grab your ankles, you're already stretched. So you don't pull anything. You don't pull anything. I have absolutely no problem doing that. Yeah, so the the reach around goes much easier. (laughs) So a little booze follow-up. I said I was going on my booze sabbatical. Yep. Going well. Lost uh, four and a half pounds in the past four and a half days. So (laughs) I'm digging it so far. And I've kind of switched up. No more breads. Only having – like for lunch, I'm going to have an eggplant. (laughs) Yesterday, I had a squash. Well, there you go. You know, going, going, going kind of veggie. Still having some meats. Right. Little meats. I'm not, not doing that vegan thing. It's not, not my, my shtick. Yeah. So. I, I would like to say I'm off the booze, but Germany plays France on Friday. Oh, dear. There will yes. be lots of booze. <laughs> and do more yoga. <laughs> and more yoga. All so right. uh, and a quick follow-up on the last week's sound quality. We know. We know. Quit bitching. We know. We fixed it. So this week we have a full new outro. And I would like to do a shout-out to our, our, our own Brian Schulmeister and his band Among Us for supplying the music for the new new and improved Grumpy Old Geeks version 3. Yes, I own the copyrights so I can do what the fuck I want with them. So if it goes on SoundCloud, do you have the power to remove it? Uh, no, no. Because it's done. <laughs> Maybe. I don't even know. I don't care anymore. This, this, this album's been out for a while. It's good stuff. If you enjoy it, please uh, take a look and listen to the EP. 
And I would like to say that uh, Grumpy Old Geeks is hosted by the good people at Libsyn. They do great podcast hosting, so if you need some hosting for your podcast, go use the coupon code GOG at checkout, and you will receive up to two months free. Woohoo! Help support the show. Keep up with us at GrumpyOldGeeks.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GrumpyOldGeeks, on Twitter, we're at Twitter.com slash GOG Podcast, or simply email us at podcast at GrumpyOldGeeks.com. Show notes for this episode can be found at GrumpyOldGeeks.com slash 65. Yo. Yo. Okay, last one to kill a bad guy buys the beer. We're driving to Florida.